exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome into the Spartan Sports Wrap. It is Monday night. It is 7 p.m. Just about. It can only mean one thing. You're in the house. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Every Monday night, starting at 7, we're going to 8. Amidst the precipitation in East Lansing, we want your participation. Number 517-432-3893. We have an email address as well if you a little shy, don't like to talk on the radio. That email address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. wdbmsports at gmail.com. For those of you who are winding up your day, getting home from work, we appreciate you taking time to kick back and listen to Spartan Sports Rap. For those of you still at work, possibly some of my coworkers, Sarah, Josh, Chad, what's up? Appreciate our fans out there, all three of you, listening to the Spartan Sports Rap. I was a little lonely last week, apparently... Academics supersede athletics here on the sports wrap. Ray Mara, uh, my co-host to my left here, was not present. Ray, how are you? It's good to see you back. Yeah, definitely it's good to be back, but a uh, tough weekend for all state fans. Tough loss to swallow, but uh, we should have a bounce back win against Northwestern this weekend. We'll, dis- <laughs> we'll discuss. We'll discuss. How was your How was your weekend otherwise? Oh no, it was pretty laid back. I mean, I guess it wasn't as good as your weekend. Hey, I was I had the privilege of going to Madison. Hey, I was in Madison. <laughs> I, Chicago. I, 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 I was in Chicago <laughs> and Madison. What a great road trip! But more importantly, across from me, Brigitte, what's going on? Not too much. Had a great weekend. Took my LSAT. All done with that. So I am totally free to talk sports for the rest of the year. Outstanding. Completely. See, I was about to rag you for a minute I know, because right? you, you know, where you at? Oh, I gotta, I gotta go do this. Go to this LSAT prep test and this, that, <laughs> the other. But you, we've got co-hosts that are going places. I like that. The LSTAT, law school, jeez, just get me to my bachelor's and I'm <laughs> and I'm gone, see ya. <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with us, don't forget we have a phone number and an email address. That phone number, the lines are open all hour. I want to hear your thoughts, I'm sure I'm sure they vary and very polarized, whether it's Fire Treadwell or, I, I don't know what it is. That's not my thoughts, but I'm sure it's out there. I heard it this morning all over the Lansing Sports Talk. I don't necessarily agree with it, but... This is a public platform to some extent, uh, so 517-432-3893. Email address wdbmsports at gmail.com. So, Madison, Wisconsin, I will discuss in a minute. But first and foremost, first and foremost <laughs> let me get it out there. Uh, certain times there are certain endeavors that supersede sports and athletics, and I think we have one here. Senior Mike Trogdon of the volleyball team is is spearheading an effort to help the AIDS relief effort in Africa. Uh, This Wednesday, uh, before the game at Jenison Fieldhouse, 6.30 p.m., this Wednesday, women's volleyball, they're collecting money and cans. I can't tell you to go there and donate, but I can tell you that Mike Trogdon is supporting the AIDS effort, relief effort in Africa. Uh, It's called Bikes for Africa. Uh, What they they do is for every $100 that she collects, uh, they send a bike to Africa to help the AIDS relief. And, and you say, a bike, how's that going to help the AIDS relief? Well, the doctors, the mobility of the doctors, bikes, like terrain bikes, though. We're not talking like smooth sailing. 
you know, these these are very essential. And she apparently she got it just from reading an article. Had a chance to sit down with Mike and Trogdon today to talk about her great endeavor she's doing to help AIDS relief in Africa. Here's what the senior libero from the volleyball team had to say today when I had a chance to chat with her. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm joined by women's volleyball senior libero, Mike Trogdon. On the court, obviously, she's libero, but off the court, quite the philanthropist. Can you tell us about your latest endeavor to support the AIDS effort in Africa? I actually am conducting a can, a year-long can collection to send a check to Kona at the end of the year for their Bike Town Africa project, which is um, they manufactured 200 bikes, mountain-esque bikes, uh, specifically for the African terrain, and donated them free of charge to uh, AIDS relief organizations in Botswana. And uh, it was just such a cool gesture. I read an article in a magazine about it over the summer. And, you know, upon reading this article, I was just... I don't know, I was just really touched by what it had to say and, you know, the things, the little things that Kona was doing to help these organizations reach a population that's obviously, you know, decimated by this disease. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, well, I wonder, you know, how can just ordinary regular people help? And I went to their website and found out that pretty much anyone can donate money in the name of the, an organization or a school to Kona to help um, their Bike Town Africa project. So I came up with the idea that, you know, through either the volleyball team or, you know, Michigan State Athletics or something of that sort, you know, I could get a can, uh, like a collection of something together and send a check to Kona at the end of the year. And one of the best ways we came up with that was uh, pop cans and pop bottles because, you know, in Michigan they have the 10-cent deposit. So I figured, you know, you know, oftentimes I see pop cans in the trash. So instead of having them put in the trash, why not? put little bins, little receptacles up in various places and have people put their pop cans there instead and have all that money go to a better cause than just the garbage can. So basically reading an article about this Bike Town Africa project spurred you to take initiative and do it yourself? Yeah, pretty much. Basically at the end of the year what's going to happen is uh, the, the marketing people with uh, sports marketing have really helped me out a ton with this, You know, as have the people over at uh, Student Athlete Support Services. And at the end of the year in uh, May, we're going to write a check for however much money I get from the cans and uh, donations at Wednesday night's game to Kona. And we're going to actually send them some little Michigan State stickers that they can put on the bikes that they manufacture using our donations. So we've seen other projects throughout the university, John Masters, make a change for mm -hmm. and you're taking initiative now. Does this kind of speak to the character of the type of student-athletes we have here at Michigan State? You know, I think so. I think especially Michigan State Athletics, we're all about giving back to the community and giving back to people and, you know, those less fortunate, those who support us. And, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected is something that I've always heard. And I think that, you know, it's the right of people to give back to others. So exactly where and how can people help this cause? On Wednesday night, I believe it is October 4th, we are playing Northwestern at uh, 6.30 in Jenison Fieldhouse. And fans can bring either, if they wanted to bring cash, they're more than welcome to bring cash, or they can bring bags of their pop cans and pop bottles, and they can give them uh, at the game for Bike Town Africa. That was senior Mike Entrogden, women's volleyball team. Great endeavor. Just a correction. She said the 4th of October. It's actually the 3rd, so this Wednesday... Before the women's volleyball game, and I'm sure throughout, they'll be collecting cans and money to help the AIDS relief effort in Africa. Uh, this is in addition to, to cancer relief efforts uh, that we see senior offensive lineman John Masters partake in. Uh, just another testament to the type of people and the type of character that student-athletes and students alike have at Michigan State. So oh, I applaud that as a sports host, and sometimes there are certain things that supersede sports, and you have to show, show some love. So senior Mike Entrogden. Women's volleyball team collecting cans and money Wednesday before the game. Uh, volleyball is kicking off at 6.30 p.m. 
and that's at Jenison Fieldhouse on campus, uh, and she'll be collecting that money to send bikes to Africa to help the doctors assist in the AIDS relief efforts. So that is fantastic, and I applaud her. Too many times people pay attention to athletes making wrong decisions and making mistakes. Mike Contract in women's volleyball, I applaud her efforts, and hopefully they, they do a good job and people show up and support this. On Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. is the tip for volleyball, and that is at Jenison Fieldhouse. We progress forward, though, into into some bit, some bitter words and something not so encouraging. We talked about it at the end of the show last week. I think we had to pay some respect. It's been all over the news, all over the media, ESPN, whatever you have it. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State's football coach, goes after Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. The article she wrote obviously attacked one of his quarterbacks who kind of has taken a back seat now. And, you know, apparently after a game his mother was feeding him chicken. We talked about this last week. That's all it said, feeding him chicken. I'm not sure if she was doing the airplane or the motorboat into the mouth. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but she she basically went after one of his quarterbacks, kind of questioned his toughness, you know, he said, you know, said he's a mama's boy, you know, in the article. Coach wasn't really pleased with this. Uh, we have a question to pose after the clip, though. Uh, but this is quite the overwhelming clip to play. It is it is very overwhelming. Uh, more importantly, if you see it, if you see it on TV or YouTube or wherever, it is it is astounding. This what this coach does. I'll tell you, if, if you didn't listen last week, I'll let you know if I agree with what he did and and what he said, and we'll we'll pull some of the points out of there. But here's what Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State's football coach, said in response to Jenny Carlson's column. If anybody hasn't read this article, I don't read it. This was brought to me by a mother of children. I think this is worth reading. Let me tell you why I'm talking about this article. Three-fourths of this is inaccurate. It's fiction. And this article embarrasses me to be involved with athletics tremendously. And that article had to have been written by a person that doesn't have a child and has never had a child that's had their heart broken and come home upset and had to deal with the child when he is upset and kick a person when he's down. Here's all that kid did. He goes to class. He's respectful to the media. He's respectful to the public. And he's a good kid. And he's not a professional athlete, and he doesn't deserve to be kicked when he's down. If you have a child someday, you'll understand how it feels. But you obviously don't have a child. I do. If your child goes down the street, and somebody makes fun of him because he dropped a pass in a pickup game, or says he's fat, and he comes home crying to his mom, you'd understand. But you haven't had that. But someday you will. And when your child comes home, you'll understand. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday. And you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. 
Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Go write about a kid that does everything right, that's heart's broken, and then say that the coaches said he was scared. That ain't true. And then to say that we made that decision because Donovan Woods, because he threatened to transfer, that's not true. So get your facts straight. And I hope someday you have a child and somebody downgrades them and belittles them and you have to look them in the eye and say, you know what, it's okay. They're supposed to be mature adults, but they're really not. Who's the kid here? Who's the kid here? Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. Oh, goodness. (laughs) That was Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy. One of the most illustrious responses I've seen to a column that was written. Unbelievable response. It's been talked about all week, debated on both sides. Was he right to attack a journalist like that? Obviously, her name's Jenny. Uh, Let's put it out there. If you can't make the reasoning there, she's a woman. And this woman was present when he did this, looking her right in the eye, pointing right at her as he made this rant. Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy. One point he made in there that I want to touch on, college athletes, the difference between a collegiate athlete and a professional athlete. Ray, college athletes, should they be treated differently in the light of media than professionals? Uh, To a certain extent. I didn't agree with the fact where he said he's a kid. I mean, he's a young man to a man. I mean, you're playing for the Big 12, which is an elite, you know, conference. So, I mean, I think a college athlete of that stature should be able to deal with the media scrutiny and adversity. And if you can't, you know, go play for a Western or Central or, you know, a Mac school where, you know, the media is not going to get over your, you know, get all over your back. You know, although some of those places, though, the media is still going to get after you, but... But not as, they're not going to scrutinize you as much, I mean, as like it's as not a as, Big 12, you know. The big, yeah, exactly, yeah. Brigitte, your thoughts. The, is there a difference in, in the way the media should treat, write about, broadcast about... College athletes versus professionals. There is a difference, but at the same point, like Ray said, you know, they are in the public eye. They're a public figure, and especially in an area where, you know, football is such a big deal. Like, they do have to understand that they are going to be the mark of some criticism. You know, whether she was wrong or not to write the article, she does have the right to her opinion. So, but I do think that... um, that was kind of bad to put all that pressure on that kid and, you know, kick him when he was down, like the coach said. Because he is still a kid at the end of the day, and he's playing for a better cause than just for, like, a paycheck at the end of the day. He probably means more to him, and he knows he messed up. So Absolutely. If you want to get in touch, is there a difference? Should the, should the athletes be treated differently in the media, college athletes versus professional athletes? Let me get your thoughts. The number 517 432 93-517-432-3893. Also, the email inbox, I'd like to hear your thought or read your thoughts, actually. WDBMSports at gmail.com. Should college athletes be treated differently in the media, that is, columns, that is, articles, a radio broadcasts, should they be treated differently, held to higher standards, lower standards, not scrutinized as much than professional athletes? And Bobby Walmsley, how about that? A shout out to Bobby Walmsley. He's probably doing push-ups or punching a wall somewhere right now. Just to hello. Yeah, he's at he's at the weight room. <laughs> Definitely uh, working on his bench press. But I think, that, I think he's up to you know about two ten right now. We just got to put that <laughs> a little inside joke. We got we just got to put that one out there. But here's the deal: college athletes they're in a different realm than professional athletes. One uh, in college, you're represented by yourself, 
your coach, your sports information department. That's your voice. In, co- in the professional market, you have you have an agent, you have an attorney, you have a PR department of your team. You get paid to do what you do. And don't tell me a scholarship and a crummy little apartment and some food is getting paid in college. You, you, know, are, you, you are getting a free education, though, which you know not many not many students have the you know privilege of having that. That's I true. Mean, that's I true. Mean, you know my you know my thoughts on this. I don't yeah. I don't need to get into it. I, you know. It's 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 just a school of thought. Where should college athletes be paid? Should they not? At the end of the day, we have a seventy, eighty million dollar budget uh, that revolves around student athletes. Take them out of the equation; those jobs aren't there. That money isn't there. But that's my. Th- those are just my thoughts. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to get on the soapbox about this. I'd like to know what you think. WDBMSports at gmail dot com five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. Should college athletes be treated differently in the media than professionals? I think so. I think so. To a certain degree. Not don't baby them, but but understand at the end of the day that they are not professionals. They're not getting paid to do what they do. And so, like Brigitte said, let's not kick them while they're down. But at, at some time, you know, the media is open to scrutiny. They can scrutinize. But I like what the coach did. I'm sure there's coaches throughout the nation, both men, male and female, that have sour feelings towards some members of the media. And wouldn't it be be nice to have an open mic night? What this coach did is, is simply speak his mind, and, and what a gem it was. I would love to see it more more often of what coaches really think. You know, they may front and say, "Oh, you know, they're they're nice, they do their job well, whatever." But behind the scenes, it'd be nice to see what coaches really had to say, especially about these big figures that are all over radio. The Jim, you know, the Jim Rome's. The now Mike Tarico's got his own show, ESPN Radio. But you are listening to WDBM MSU Student Radio. This is a Spartan Sports Wrap. Every Monday, 7 to 8 p.m., you miss a show. Don't forget, you can go to our website, download past shows, listen. You, you read the descriptions. It tells what the show is about. Uh, over 30 to 40 shows, for, for a year's worth of shows, really, that you can listen to, um, ranging topics and guests from men's basketball to Formula Racing Team at Michigan State. We covered all. NASCAR's huge, and we know that, so I cater... I cater to the NASCAR folks as well. Once every three, <laughs> once every three months, that's the frequency that the uh, the formulation team should be on. Really, but more importantly, my Madison experience, Madison, Wisconsin, all six hour drive it was back after the game because we kind of had a little jog off in Chicago, the Windy City. A great time in the Windy City. Went out and had some a great meal. Uh, one of our friends was a his friend was a manager at a restaurant. Got this mad discount, and we were just eating at Italian restaurant. You would have liked it, you know. You, hey. <laughs> the Dago roots of you, you know. I, we're out in Little Italy or something. Don't you have a bowl of spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> a bowl of spaghetti. But Madison, Wisconsin. I've heard so much. Scott Van Pelt went out on his radio show, or when he was filling in for Dan Patrick on ESPN Radio, he goes out and says Madison, Wisconsin, is the best college town, hands down. And Scott Van Pelt can speak on that really because he's been everywhere. You know, luckily through ESPN, he. He he's been to Texas, and UT I heard is is right up there as well. He's been to Ohio State, all these different campuses, and he says that Madison, Wisconsin, is the best. And he, a quick email from Josh, and he's Lansing. He says, "Come after me, I'm a man." <laughs> this in response to Gundy. He says, "Talk about how Carlson went up to Gundy and asked what was fiction about her column." He didn't reply. He backed down. And is a punk. But we've got a call as well. So we'll shoot it to line two. Welcome to the Spartan Sport Trap. What is going on tonight? 
Hey, uh, this is Dylan. I'm uh, just on the road driving. Just heard you guys on the radio. Um, I just want to put in my two cents. It seems to me like college is the time when, like, you're supposed to grow up and learn those things, like when to ignore crap that other people are saying and when to pay attention to it. So I don't have a problem with the media getting on, you know, whatever college athlete about their performance or whatever. But at the same time, I really appreciate what the coach did because, it's him standing up for his people, and I agree uh, with what you said that I, I would love to see that more. It's like letting the kid know that, you know, he, he's behind him and don't listen to whatever she has to say, and, you know, we're behind you, whatever is in the media, but at the same time, it's time for him to learn, you know, when to ignore that stuff and when not to. Absolutely. So do you think this this circumstance changes any if it was a male columnist that wrote the column? No, and, and that's the other thing, I, you know, who knows how much, you know, sexual roles played into it there, um, but I would love to see, you know, anybody call out any, you know, reporter, male or female, if they're really stepping over the line like that. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny, uh, you know, how he kept going on about, you don't have a kid, so obviously you don't know, um, which I think was is the only part of contention there, because just because you don't have a kid doesn't mean you can't understand that, and just because you have a kid doesn't mean you understand that either. Um, I thought he went a little overboard there. Um, but that shouldn't matter, male or female, you know. There's the line to be crossed. Hey, man, Dylan, we thanks for your call. Thanks for your support of the Spartan Sports Rep. All right, thanks, guys. So there it is. I here, Here's what we wish. We wish to see more coaches do as Coach Mike Gundy did at Oklahoma State. Speak your mind. How many times are coaches biting their tongue at the podium? You know, you would just love to get in a coach's head and see what he has to think about some of the columnists in Detroit, some of the columnists in Washington, D.C., wherever they may be. What coaches really think about members of the media? And obviously they're members of the media for one reason. If, they, if they're not good enough to coach in certain circumstances, they have to be, they're a member of the media. There's a reason coaches are coaches, in my opinion, and why members of the media are where, are where they are. Because maybe they're sports fans or former athletes, but clearly not good enough or the circumstances didn't work out to make it professionally. So they speculate. There's no, there's a select few members of the media that can relate to what college athletics is all about. Yeah, there may have been some members of the media that were for, you know, played D3, walk, were a walk-on somewhere, but that's a, that's a select few. When you look at members of the media across the board, maybe high school athletes, no, you can't really relate to what a Division One major conference football players going through, or in this case, a Big 12 conference, which is, in my opinion, much better than the Big 10 right now. Yeah, football-wise, football yeah. Fo- football-wise, you can't relate to what this, this kid's going on. And, and people like to speculate, and you know, and I'll say it over and over. I, I, I say this probably every other week, that what, who am I as a radio reporter to, or radio broadcaster to, to, to speculate on these things? I'm not in their shoes. I don't call the plays. I'm not the one who dropped or caught the pass or ran for the touchdown. So there's only I can only go so far, and I think that journalists, quote unquote journalists, they need to realize that. In certain times, you people, a lot of the time, people cross the line. Your thoughts five one seven four three two, thirty eight, ninety three. The email address wdbmsports at gmail dot com. But my my trip to Madison. Have you had, what have you heard about college towns? You heard any you know rumors like oh this is such a great college town? I mean the only one I ever heard of was Arizona State, which is supposed to be unreal. My uh, one of my cousins went there and he said you know there's pools everywhere. You know you just sit sit by the pool and study. Hot hot weather. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Matt, how much work would you get done at Arizona <laughs> State? I, I might be able to last two years there and flunk out. But. <laughs> 
But Madison, I'll tell you what, the environment there was incredible. You know, the nightlife was average. You know, I went out, I had to, I had to go peek around, see, see what's going on. Went out with some guys from the office, one of my bosses. It was, it was a good time. Went out and saw what the nightlife was all about, see what they had to, had to offer. People made it out to be like, oh, it's going to be just, you know, pot of gold, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. It, I've, seen, I've seen better at times in East Lansing itself. So Madison wasn't ridiculously good in that sense. But what I really appreciated, not that I'm a fan of the Badgers, but their environment, that football stadium was nuts. But the surrounding environment, it's like like we talked about. Take Spartan Stadium and go put it on, like, Division in Linden. Just plop Spartan <laughs> Stadium on Division in Linden. And that is what you get with Camp Randall Stadium. You've got student housing across the street. I'm talking, like... Like the parking lot of Spartan Stadium. Put houses right there. And that's what you get in Madison. The environment is incredible. They're all wearing red. I was on the field for about half of the fourth quarter. Unreal. When they go into the fourth quarter and do that, they put on House of Pain, jump around, and all ten to 15,000 students jump around. The foundation of the stadium is shaking. You can feel it in your seat in the press box. You're wavering. It is incredible. Student section should pay attention to that. Their whole student section is involved. Every cheer the cheerleaders do, every chant they're involved. They had the wave, the, the fast wave going, the slow wave going. It was incredible. I, I was really a fan of the way the student section participated. I'll say that. Not a fan of the way the game turned out, obviously. But they were loud. Uh, I think the, the common color, the red throughout the stadium, it's intimidating. It's a loud place. 85,000 in Madison, Wisconsin. What else is there to do on the isthmus? It's on the isthmus as well. You know, <laughs> lake on each side. It's, you know, a little geography spit there, you know, spitting it. Last week was Ebonics lesson. This, this <laughs> week is geography, the Isthmus up in Madison, Wisconsin. Your thoughts, though, 517-432-3893. More importantly, email address works just as well, wdbmsports at gmail.com. But, yes, the student section in Madison, the fans were crazy. Green and white was there a little bit. It was good to see. I mean, it is a long trip. I made the, you know, I made the trip for work. You know, I was there for my other my other obligation which was great had a great time but the environment in madison was very impressive uh i don't think it was factored into lo- winning or losing the game really you know it was loud but then again uh, uh, you know no signals were lost no calls were you know were misplayed but the environment was incredible but obviously the outcome not so much 37 34 wisconsin wins by a field goal ray let me pose a hypothetical to you you know p- people do this all the time but we, we kind of got to August 1st, if I told you Michigan State will go down to Madison, Wisconsin against a number nine team in the nation that's undefeated, put up 34 and lose by three, would you believe me? No, uh, beginning of the season, I would have thought we got blown out, definitely. And even, you know, two weeks ago, I would, you know, I would have thought that, you know, we struggled, you know, the against second Pitt? Week, yeah, against Pitt. And I guess, I mean, that was kind of a statement game, although we lost by three, but we still hung with, you know, number nine team in the country. Brigitte, your thoughts, same question. Um, I definitely would not have thought we would have been at the situation we were. It was a great game. Michigan State showed a lot of heart. I know here at the Sports Wrap we don't believe in moral victories, but I thought they played really well. You know, just a couple mental errors, costly mistakes, but other than that, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from the team so far. They look really good, and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do the rest of the season. Absolutely. We're going to get into offense and defensive sides of the ball here in a minute, but I want to know your thoughts. I'm sure there's... A variation of opinions here in the Spartan Nation. 517-432-3893 is the number. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're on every Monday night, 7 
to 8 p.m. All right, uh, Josh from East Lansing says, Madison Nightlife is average because all of the girls are fat and have cheese fries on their breath. No wonder the no no wonder the stadium shakes when they play jump around. Oh man! Wow, attack, attacking the the badger fa- attacking the badger faithful there, unbelievable. I I need to know if you've been to Madison. Let me know how it was. I just experienced it for the first time myself. I was impressed with uh, the jump around in the fourth quarter, stadium shaking. The, they were loud. They participated. It was in, somewhat intimidating. It wasn't necessarily, you know, like a a twelfth man out there on the field, but it was impressive. Definitely, I'd say one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten. I've only been to a handful: Iowa, uh, Illinois, obviously Michigan, Michigan State. Now there, so one of the tougher places to play. Uh, your thoughts: five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. Uh, but first of all, we're going to get into the offense. Uh, but no, no better man to talk about the team in the state of Michigan State football uh, than the head coach himself. Head coach Mark D'Antonio, i got about a six-minute clip, so hang tight. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, uh, this is what he had to say today at his, his weekly press conference. Uh, coach talking about the looking back, pardon me, at the Wisconsin game and now looking ahead to a Northwestern team that gave Michigan somewhat of a fit. Uh, here's what Coach Mark D'Antonio had to say at his uh, weekly press conference. Okay, Wisconsin game. I think that uh, basically where we were at, uh, we went up there mentally prepared. Um, I thought that uh, the message was that we need to we need to have some proof in terms of what we were going to be able to accomplish. This was going to be a big statement game, a measuring stick for us, just in terms of could we compete against the top teams in the conference um, in an away environment that um, that I've always thought was very difficult to play in. And uh, from that perspective, I guess the positives we took away from that would be that we were prepared mentally. We went up there, uh, you know, with the challenge in mind, and I thought we were focused. I th- thought we played very well emotionally in a game that went up and down and around, back and forth. We're down by 10. We fought back. Um, we continued to play. And, you know, it just gives, gives me, a, again, I guess, another illustration that, uh, you know, football is a game of inches. You know, you, you play one technique well, you're successful. You play another one not so well, you're not successful. Or you're in your gap, you're successful. Not, not. You misread something, um, you know, something as, as small as a guy running down on the kickoff and not setting the edge uh, allows a big kick return. So, I mean, it is a game of inches. We need to continue to understand that. I did think we fought back. We stayed together. I think we kept our composure. I think those are the positives. On the negative side of the, of the coin, I guess I would say that, um, you know, we lost our composure on four separate occasions out there, three on defense. And uh, we're three times maybe on defense, and I thought that hurt us, especially in, uh, uh, you know, we lose a player, um, a freshman who's a great young man who um, never been maybe in that situation before, and he strikes back, and they're both ejected from the game. And now we're down another corner. Um, but, uh, you know, we lost, we had two personal fouls, I think, in the big drive at the end of the, at the, end of the, um, the game, towards the end of the game, their last big drive. They only got a field goal out of it, but where we could have gotten off the field, uh, two personal fouls, and they were fouls. You know, I guess when you look back, you have to make those decisions. Uh, you know, you say that, you know, that hurt us. But, uh, again, those are good kids. Um, you know, we're not like we're playing with a bunch of thugs out there. Guys make mistakes. It's in the heat of the battle. And, uh, you know, you play from there. I thought offensively, uh, you know, we had a lot of great plays out there. I thought our staff did a great job preparing. Um, they were a very physical team, especially up front offensively and defensively and uh, you know we did a great job in preparation you got some outstanding plays by ringer and 
by uh, Devin Thomas and then also by Calcrick and Hoyer made some great throws on the money throws and and uh, Kellen Davis uh, makes another great catch and plays very well um, blocking very effectively on the edge a lot of times and uh, you know Dell makes some plays so he's coming new into his own a little bit I thought our offensive line did a nice job Nishman especially he was a guy that that um, you know really on on Wednesday um, Went out and couldn't even practice on Thursday, so we were down three offensive linemen. Comes back on Friday, um, gets cleared, and then plays on Saturday. So, I mean, Wednesday, mid-practice, he's out. But uh, all in all, I thought offensively, scored 34 points, played well enough to win. One turnover on a sack, if you had to say anything, uh, we've got to protect our quarterback a couple times, but give Wisconsin credit, too. Uh, give them credit. Defensively, uh, great offensive line by Wisconsin. They do a great job conceptually putting a lot of people at the point of attack. Um, you know, certainly very big on the offensive line with the big running back that we hung in there. But, like I said, techniques hurt us a little bit, especially in the back end. And uh, that's, that's frustrating at times when the ball breaks out and it should be a six-yard gain and it busts for 29 because of a leverage issue. Um, that's something that we can control and need to control. But um, our guys kept playing, kept playing throughout, got off the field, um, at the end of the game there, where we had to come back and give them, get the ball back for the offense, I thought that was key that we went three plays and out, got the ball back with two minutes and made another drive down there again. Um, special teams had one kickoff return back, called back because of a hold. Um, you know, tough call there, I think, but um, we got out to the 50, and then we had a kickoff return go against us uh, when they ran a counter play, and it creased us back for got down to the 31-yard line, and that's the only touchdown they scored in the second half. So um, other than that, I think our special teams played pretty well. Um, you know, But uh, again, got to make the play there to, to put us over the edge. So I guess when you leave Wisconsin, you feel like um, we competed, but there's about 20 instances there in the, in, the, uh, in the course of the game where if we make a couple plays, we're going to win the game. So good job and not good enough. Um, not looking for pats on the back. Uh, it's frustrating when you lose. Um, had a lot of students come to our to the bus when we got back, and that was you know just want to recognize that fact. That was very, um, you know, I think uncommon, but uh, they were there, and we really appreciate um, the support. But um, did not win the game, and we're not looking for um, for emotional wins. We need to respond against Northwestern, and. Um, I think it's a pivotal game. You know, in the past when we've had a game like this, uh, whether it was um, when we were here in 99 we were 7-0 and lost to Purdue, we came back at Wisconsin and lost by a landslide. Uh, you know, when we were here in 97, I think we were 5-0 and and lost to Northwestern and then came back and lost another game to Purdue when we were up by 11. Um, so I think it's a pivotal game. Last year you lose to Notre Dame, come back and lose to Illinois. Two years ago, homecoming, Northwestern comes here and plays very well and beats us. Last year, Northwestern is up. We come back and beat them. So there's a lot of small little storylines there, I think, for us to respond to. Northwestern, uh, you know, tough game in Ohio State, but responded very well against Michigan and played very, very well. Had four turnovers in the fourth quarter, I believe, um, but played very well and had a chance to win that football game. You look at them against the other teams, they're going to spread you out. They're going to play hard. They're a well-coached football team. They're going to emphasize toughness, and they're a program that's, that's getting better. Uh, so uh, without question, we need to respond and, and stay together and, uh, and focus on the future.
can't dwell on what's happened. I wish we had a couple plays over. I wish we could have called a couple different plays, defenses, whatever. But we got to focus on, on what's in front of us and not what's behind us and deal with it. We're still a 4-1 and one football team, and um, we're where we need to be right now. We just need to move it forward. So. And that was head coach Mark D'Antonio. Thank you for hanging out. It's a long clip, but, you know, we're commercial-free. And instead of me speculating, I'd like it to come right from the horse's mouth. Not calling Coach G a horse, but that was Coach Antonio commenting on the current state of the team, what he liked about Wisconsin, what he didn't like, preview a little bit of Northwestern. Back to the emails from Ted. Ted at Replay says, back to our, one of our first topics about the difference between criticizing collegiate athletes and professionals. Ted says, College sports are not professional sports. The coach was completely on point when he said, come after me, not them. 20 years ago, that column would not have seen the light of day, but because of evolution of sports media to what it is today, writers are challenged to write more controversial pieces to get noticed and ahead as a sports writer. Get back to tradition, and unless we're willing to pay these kids the big bucks like we should, then go after the coaching, not them. That's Ted at Replay. Ted, thanks for your email. Keep them coming. WDBMSports at Gmail. Dot com. This topic seems to be popping up. Hopefully, you know, it's not necessarily a sensitive subject, but a popular topic. Um, obviously, you know, touching on some people out there who have responded. And we appreciate, we're always appreciative of the emails and the calls. The call, the number, if you'd like to call, 517-432-3893. I agree with Ted. And, Ted, and obviously, Ted, echoing my thoughts earlier. Um, go after the coaching. Most of the time in college athletics, we we are adults, you know. You're a college athlete. You're you're between what eighteen and twenty four, twenty five maybe if you play hockey and you know, Chris Winky. You played in. <laughs> you're unless you're Chris Winky, uh, but obviously Ted says we should pay college athletes. So Ted, I agree with you, my friend. Uh, but go after the coaching. Uh, yes, you know, and like you said. Sports writers want to get noticed, and that's exactly what happened here. But Jenny Carlson wouldn't have got noticed. You know, there's an ends and a means here. You know, the means coach went off at a press conference directly at her, and the you know, or the that's the means. In the ends, she gets the, the limelight, and then coaches, you know, you're either in the school of thought that that was inappropriate or or justified. And you know, I stand more towards the justified side, and in a side that in a school of thought that would think, you know, hopefully we can see more coaches do the same. But we'll keep it moving forward with Michigan State football. 37-34 loss in Madison, one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. Coach D commented to the 2,500-plus students that greeted the bus. Uh, apparently, Coach Izzo at the Izzo campout, what they have to do to get the tickets, you know, camp out for a night or two or whatever it is over on Munfield on campus. Izzo had a Malcolm X-like moment, you know, where Malcolm X went into the street, raised his hand, and thousands walked to their homes. Apparently, Izzo got on the mic and told the students to go greet the buses when they got back. Support the football team. And that's what they did. They hit the streets. Apparently they're hitting the buses as they came in. Uh, chance of go green, go white. Uh, beat Northwestern. 2,000 plus students. Kind of mixed emotions for these guys getting off the bus. You know, we just lost a game we should have won. That was the common sentiment among the players post-game in the interviews. But I'm ecstatic that the support is there for a football team. And fans need to realize that. If you want to have a successful product... It is essential that you have fan support through through thick and thin. Who would have thought this team would have been three points away from tying Wisconsin in Madison under a minute to go? You you know you can you can ask for more, but at this point I'm content. We have to focus on Northwestern, the pivotal game of the season. We're going to look back at Northwestern and say that made us 
I'm not even going to go negative on that. Northwestern will make this team. I see us going out and taking care of business easily against the Wildcats. We'll get to Northwestern later in the hour. But your thoughts on the game, initial reaction, first offensively, Ray. Offensively, we played really well. It was balanced. You know, we had you know over 300 yards passing, over you know close to 250 yards rushing, and we scored you know 35, 34 points. And but we, I don't know, we just fell short. The play calling was suspect, and you know in the fourth quarter. But uh, overall, offensively, we played really well. We had a bunch of big plays and good. We had an explosive offense. Brigitte, play calling. Um, could have made some better plays. Our offense looked really good, though. I was so impressed with the way Hoyer played. He made smart decisions. He didn't have any interceptions. He looked like he really took care of the ball, tried not to have any fumbles. Um, our offensive line looked like they gave him pretty good time to make some good throws, and our receivers weren't dropping balls, and that's pretty much all you can ask for from your offense. Obviously, Brian Hoyer, a big day. Brian Hoyer throws for 323, like you said. No interceptions. Yeah, he fumbled. But that's in due part to, to lack of protection on, on, a, on an individual play where he's got the ball cocked back to throw. He's sacked, loses possession. Not necessarily all his fault. You know, he's got to take a little better care of the football. But 22-36 passing for Brian Hoyer, two touchdowns, one of those 80 yards to Devin Thomas. we got to talk about Devin Thomas for a minute. But before we get to Devin Thomas, I did have a chance. My usual Monday morning quarterback with Brian Hoyer. Got a chance to sit down with Brian this morning and, and chat it up a bit uh, among the topics. So we took a look back at Wisconsin, looked ahead to Northwestern, and we even talked, Ray, a little bit about the Cleveland Indians and a little Major League Baseball. Got a chance to talk to number 7 today. Here's what Brian Hoyer had to say. It's Monday morning quarterback with Brian Hoyer. Brian joins me here. Looking back at the Wisconsin game, the running game was established, the passing game was established. Was that the best we've seen of this Michigan State offense? Yeah, I think we came out. We had a great game plan in to begin with, and uh, we just came out and really executed it. And everybody did their job for the most part, and... Uh, there were plays available, and anytime you can get the ball in the hands of your playmakers, uh, I think you're going to be successful. So, you know, we just tried to, to get the ball in the hands of uh, Devin Thomas and Javon Ringer, but also, like you said, a variety of receivers. Uh, Deion Curry coming up with a big play on, on third and 16, and then Mark Dell coming up with a touchdown. So other guys are stepping up and making plays too, not just, uh, you know, people are going to look and see Devin Thomas had an 80-yard touchdown pass. Other people are making big-time plays too. You look at your running back, Javon Ringer, had a big game on the ground, but in addition proved that he has the hands and had about seven or eight catches. How important to the offense's confidence is that, that Javon is the dual threat back? Yeah, it helps out because uh, that way, you know, you, you, when you go to drop to drop back to pass, people aren't just sitting on your receivers. You have an, another threat to uh, to catch the ball out of the backfield. And if you can get Javon matched up on, on a middle linebacker, you know, I don't care how athletic they are, Javon's going to be more athletic and, and is going to be able to uh, take care of that guy. So if you can get him one-on-one with somebody, it's a mismatch right off the get-go. You know, kind of reversing the role. You've been a part of a spread offense before. You've seen what the spread offense can do. Mm -hmm. That's what your defense faces this week. What do you think one of the biggest obstacles for them to face against this Northwestern spread is? Well, I think uh, you know the key in the spread offense is getting the ball out quick. So um, I think if our D-line can get in and uh, put pressure on the quarterback, it, it really offsets the, the spread offense. So um, for those guys, if, if they can put pressure on their quarterback and then uh, the secondary can maybe create some coverage sacks, uh, they'll, be, they'll be great because uh, the spread is, uh, you know, it's, it, it can get you sometimes, but at, at other times, if, if you play it right, you, you're just going to shut it down. You guys got in and worked out yesterday. What's the team attitude right now, and are you pleased with it? Uh, yeah, people are hungry right now. Um, we're not satisfied with just going down and competing with with a big ten, with a top ten team. We're uh, 
disappointed, obviously, and definitely not satisfied. But I think uh, proud of the way we played, and we know now if there was any doubt, self-doubt, that we can go and, and play with anybody else on the rest of our schedule. And, um, you know, as long as we go in and, and play hard and take our A game, you know, there's nothing we should be scared of. Coming back on the bus, more than 2,000 students greet you. Is that kind of warming to know that the support is here from your fellow classmates? Yeah, that, uh, that was amazing. I, you know, I just had to, you know, you see all these people, they're banging on your bus. I felt like I was the Beatles or something. And, I, and then you just got to sit back and be like, wait a second, we, we lost. But uh, just to see that kind of support, you know, you got to thank, thank those people. But you also have to, you know, we want them to know that we're not satisfied, uh, you know, losing to a top 10 team. We felt like we had the game in our hands and, and really we felt like uh, we beat ourselves so it's great to see them out there to support us but we also want them to know that we're not satisfied with just uh, coming up coming short you know being being in a close game with with a big 10 with a top 10 team we're going to be there to uh, to seal those victories from here on out and to wrap it up Ryan your Cleveland Indians Major League <laughs> Baseball playoffs give me an outlook uh, I say the Indians in four games uh, against the Yankees. Uh, they're looking good. They're hot right now, and, and I know the Yankees are hot, but we got some good pitching in uh, CC and, and Carmona. So I think uh, I say the Indians in four games. Quarterback Brian Hoyer, obviously Cleveland Indians fan, had to chat it up. Doug Starnes, don't worry, I'm going to get to that email in a minute, brother. We are on offense. We're going to transition defense in a minute. But uh, just some quick offensive points before I get to your thoughts on Brian Hoyer, Ray. Devin Thomas, 230 all-purpose yards, yet he, he gets it done yet again. Devin Thomas, one of the most dangerous football players in the Big Ten, let alone the nation. He'll get you on the kick return. He'll get you on the end around. He'll take you yard. Let's call it yard in football. I don't care. We'll take you house. <laughs> Devin Thomas is the real deal. Javon Ringer, more than a buck forty rushing and eighty receiving. The true dual threat. Yeah, he had a drop or two. So what? Dual threat. You got to cover him out of the backfield. Hoyer three hundred twenty-three yards and two TDs, no picks. Ray, your thoughts on the QB? Uh, overall, he played pretty well, but he was erratic at times. He made some horrible passes, but and he he had happy feet, you know, which every quarterback gets when you you put on your back a few times. But uh, he did make some clutch third down completions, which really surprised me. I mean, he played really well in certain situations. That pass to Mark Dell was you know right on the money, and you know he managed the game pretty well overall. Absolutely, Brian Hoyer, no no interceptions, two TDs, over three hundred yards passing for him. And we look offensively, the variety of receivers. You you touched on this a few weeks ago, Ray. The variety and the distribution offensively of, of receptions. Uh, we had, I think, four receivers with three or more catches. Uh, we look at Deion Curry. Deion Curry really came alive in that game. There was a yeah, stretch. Yeah, he had a key uh, third down completion where he stretched out. And yeah, like you were saying about to say, he stretched out and got the third down or first down. And Deion, Deion Curry really, really came alive. He had a career high in receptions and receiving yards. And although it was like three receptions and 45 receiving yards, those came at critical times in the game. And I really think Deion Curry has now come into his own as a wide receiver. We know he's the son of Michael Curry, former Piston. But Deion Curry really came into his own and showed that he, that he can make big catches in, in key situations. And we look when Devin Thomas is overshadowed by you know safety you know shadowing him. So he's got one and a half, two men on him. It's going to leave Deion Curry in one-on-one situations. And Deion Curry really stepped up. And that's when you get to defense and talk about T.J. Williams playing both ways. When you got guys like Deion Curry and Mark Dale stepping up, you know you can afford to have T.J. Williams play on the defensive end, and I think he did a substantial job. You want to get in touch? Let us know your thoughts. WDBMSports at gmail.com. The email address: WDBMSports at gmail.com. 
Phone number, 517-432-3893. Um, Javon Ringer really came into his own. He had a, a re- really a breakout game, just ridiculous. What, he had two or three big runs, some clutch catches, that last play of the game just three inches beyond his grasp. Really really heart, heart-wrenching for me to watch from the sideline, but Javon Ringer really had a coming-out party, and I don't see him letting up his head of steam anytime soon. Mark Dell, an amazing catch. If you saw the replay of Mark Dell's catch, incredible. Pass interference, throw the flag, but he caught the ball. No, Mark Dell was mugged and still took, and still caught it. This is a freshman, folks. So Mark Dell, the real deal. Good to see him doing his thing. Uh, but the you guys talked about the play calling. Your thoughts on the play calling late in the game? Fourth quarter, I really didn't agree with the you know third and seven run play. I mean, we only it was a I think a twins right and we ran it up the gut. I mean, if you're gonna run in that situation, I don't I don't disagree with the running in third down long. But uh, at least disguise it, you know, spread the field and you know run a draw or something. But uh. I don't know. I just disagreed with the third and seven run in that situation with the formation we had. Brigitte, your thoughts? It broke my heart to see like third and twos and have uh, Ju on the sideline. Like you know, he's a big guy. He can get those crucial yards. He makes plays out of nothing when you think he's going to be stopped at the line of scrimmage. He ends up picking up like five yards. He's just a big guy, and just like some of the plays towards the end of the game, I felt like it really cost us. Um, when we ran, we should have thrown. When we threw, we should have ran. So it's just some stuff they got to work out in the upcoming weeks. But for the most part, I think they did an excellent job. Absolutely. The, the offense was just incredible. You know, you can criticize, you can sit and criticize the play calling folks, but we hung 34 points on Wisconsin. Well, we have over 500 yards of total offense. You know, tell that to the fans, these wishy, the wishy-washy fans out there that, are, that jump ship so easily in Spartan country. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But, you know, tell that to them that we're going to put up, you know, play calling. Play calling was excellent. I'll say excellent throughout the game. There's a certain instances, yes, that are more visible because of the repercussions late in the game. You know, the game's over. But throughout the game, how, how are we racking up yards and racking up yards through the air if the play calling's terrible? More than the play calling being terrible anyway, we were shooting ourselves in the foot by getting penalties. So if anything, you have to blame the players for making those mental mistakes because for the most part, the coach's play calling was great and we had a couple big runs that got called back. And, you know, it was disappointing to see that more than a mistaken play call. Hey, but enough about the offense. The defense, we saw some big hits. We saw some interceptions. We'll get to the overall thoughts of the defense. Coach Narduzzi. The defensive coordinator got a chance to catch up with Coach Narduzzi post-game, and here's what the D coordinator had to say. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, I'm joined by defensive coordinator Pat Narduzzi. What would you learn about your defensive unit today? You know, the first thing I learned is how, uh, you know, when the tough got going down at the end, that they stuck in there and played good football. And, you know, proud of them in that last year is that we got the ball back to our offense. I don't think we played particularly well all day. Um, we gave up too many, uh, too many passes to a team that wants to run the ball and play action. You know, I thought... In the back end, we weren't great, but uh, the kids hung in there. And again, it, all you can ask for is, that, you know, with two minutes to go in the game, you got a chance to win the football game. We just got to find a way to win. How proud are you, of you were you of your defense? Were you when Swenson missed? Your defense goes out and shuts down Wisconsin to give your offense a last step. Uh, you know, real proud. I mean, that's what we talk about. You know, it's our, our uh, get the ball back period, and you know, we worked that period, and the guys did a heck of a job of getting the ball back. So, I mean, 
uh, you know, it comes down to you know how, how you play in your last series, and, that, and we played good there. I'm disappointed in against some of the things earlier in the game that you know that put the many points on the board. And we got to prove on our fundamentals in the in the secondary. I think. I mean, we can't give up that type of passes. Uh, you know, deep pass that was just a lack of focus. I think, and and and, uh, and fundamentals. So uh, we, we've got to improve our pass game. It's, you know, it's a good Northwestern football team that'll come in here, and uh, we got to be ready to go for live game audio and exclusive video content. Check out MSU All Access. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Sorry about that plug on the end of the tag there. That's my bad. This is this clip is used duly, both for MSU Sports Info and for the Spartan Sports Wrap. You're on Impact 89, so disregard that. But more importantly, that was Coach Narduzzi's thoughts on the defense. We saw T.J. Williams playing extensive minutes because of Chris L. Rucker's penalty in the first half. We saw Chris L. Rucker take some take a haymaker to the dome. Throw a haymaker back to Randall L's cousin or whoever whoever that His was, brother. Randall L's little brother. Uh, but at the at the same time, I like to see that we're not pushovers and we're not going to take we're not going to get hit in the mouth and not swing back. No, not the smartest thing. Uh, came at a point in the game where it wasn't a critical situation where you know the ball turned over. You know, so, like certain penalties came later. Uh, those are obvious. We know that those were not smart things, so we'll leave them be. No need to you know pour more. On the fire, you know, in that sense. If you want to get in touch with us, 517-432-3893 is the number. And we do have a phone call. Welcome into the Spartan Sports Wrap. What's on your mind? Hey, Dan. It's Stephen Bradigan from last year. Hey, what is going It's the, the Rook. Rookie. The Rook's in the house. Yeah. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts, brother? Hey, I just wanted to say that there's two key plays that should have happened that didn't happen. Uh, Kellen Davis's personal foul roughing the passer. And uh, when we were tied 34-34 on third down. Yes, sir. And we got to stop. And I think that's one of the big plays that uh, wasn't for Colin Davis. Uh, we could have stopped him. And I think his discipline off the field shows towards it on the field. And I'm just going to say last year we talked about how if Michigan State was 500 before the season start, uh, before the season started, that if they were 500 afterwards, we'd be happy. And I think... We're going in the right direction. You think we're gonna? You think we'll be above 500 this year, then? Well, I do, but I just think last year we talked about after this season upcoming that if we were at 500, that we'd all be ecstatic. And your thoughts on Northwestern? Is this a pivotal game for Michigan State? Obviously, uh, I think it is, but I think we'll handle. I think we'll run well and play well. Hey, man! Thanks, Steve. Calling from Purdue University. <laughs> We love the support and uh, defense. Yeah, we gave up 37 points, but more importantly, let's keep we keep it positive here. Let's look at this, folks. At the end of the day, when you look at it, let's go to uh, to under three minutes to go in the game. Uh, North Wisconsin's final possession. Here's your line: three plays, negative nine yards, a minute 12 elapsed. Michigan State's defense showed up. The offense had two minutes 11 seconds to respond. Consequently, Terry Love. Returns a punt 16 yards to the Michigan State 40. Next play, pass complete to Javon Ringer to 14 yards. We're in Wisconsin territory on the 46. We've got under under two minutes to go. We're creeping on field goal range to tie the game. You cannot discredit this defense. When it was crunch time, they showed up to play. Irvin Baldwin showed up to play when he sacked Tyler Donovan for a three-yard loss. Or a nine-yard loss, pardon me. G-Ball showed up. Early in the game, St. Deke showed up, and then he was double-teamed. This defense showed up to play. We let some big plays go deep in the secondary, but Coach comments on that. We don't need to go into that. It's evident. We saw it. How about Nehemiah Warks hit 
I felt that one in the press box more than the jump around from the students. Oh my goodness! All this time we've people have commented. Nehemiah Wark is such a big hitter, such a big hitter. You know, I said you know he throws a few pops until until I saw that Coca Cola. <laughs> until there's that there's that thunder and lightning boy. There is that thunder and lightning analogy. Until I saw that Coca Cola, he popped him good. Legal, Ray. Talk about it. Did Nehemiah? <laughs> well, let me get to this email though. Pardon me. Don't mean to cut you, Ray. Doug from Chi Town. First, he says Digatano equals crap. Crack yellow equals overrated. <laughs> Apparently, he's going after you, Ray. But we'll move forward. How about the, that hit, boys? Boom shakalaka. I don't know what he Warwick ate before the game, but I'd like to see the rest of the team hit like that. Thoughts on rumors of him getting suspended by the Big Ten? That's Doug from Chicago. Ray, your thoughts? Uh, more importantly, I was just I was just in, you know enthralled that the guy got up and you know was happy that he didn't die. I mean, or was seriously injured, but uh, happy that he didn't <laughs> die. I mean, he was just sitting there, just you know, he wasn't moving. I was, you know, I was scared for the guy, but uh, luckily, you know, he walked off the field and did you know, not play again in the game. He no. left. They announced in the stadium that he left the game with a head injury, concussion, possibly. Yeah, probably. Brigitte, your thoughts on the hit? Uh, was it legal? Did it look clean to you? What's the deal? I mean, I felt like I felt that through the TV. It was insane. But, uh, I mean, it's a legal hit, but it looked awesome. I wish we would hit like that every game. It was kind of like he hit the shoulder pad and it just kind of skimmed up to the helmet, so people are pointing helmet to helmet. I don't know. Suspended by the Big Ten? I don't think so. Mm-mm. If they they cannot go retroactively and throw a penalty flag on Nehemiah Wark. They can't do it. I will be, I'll be disappointed in the Big Ten. Nehemiah, in his postgame, said he talked to the referee, and the referee said that was a clean hit. But you slow it down, you look at the replay. Yeah, he did bite some helmet. But at the end of the day, I don't think without a flag thrown, the Big Ten will really look foolish. And they'll set a precedent that they'll have to do this every time. And what are they going to do? Go review every hit? And, and a comment was made in my office today that if you look, if you, you, know, you want to compare it to the NFL, oh, that's a flag and a fine in the NFL. Can you tackle, like, cowboy, is it like cowboy collar tackling? It's a horse collar. It's a horse collar. You can't horse collar tackle. How was Wisconsin bringing down Javon Ringer? Tell me. Tell me how Wisconsin was bringing down Javon Ring. Horse collar tackling. Mm-hmm. And you want to point to one play to Nehemiah Ward. Don't do it. Don't do it. How did they? They couldn't even stop Javon Ringer. He rushed for over a buck forty. But they, when they did stop him, you want to play in the NFL? That's illegal. So don't pull that on me, Wisconsin fans <laughs> or the media. <laughs> Nehemiah Ward, Coca-Cola, that receiver. And I bet that receiver will remember not to go over the middle against Michigan State again. When he was seeing butterflies and stars <laughs> Probably still seeing on them. his back. But yeah, you know, you can say it was in the heat of the moment. Nehemiah didn't go spearheading in. And, and then people want to criti- you know, criticize our character. Celebrating after the hit. Nehemiah Ward did not celebrate after the hit. He popped him and he, and he ran off. He didn't stand over him or wave his finger. Nehemiah Ward put the Coca-Cola on him. <laughs> Pop, popped him. Despite all the factors, that defense showed up for that three and out late in the fourth quarter. Gave the rock to the offense. You know what? We can s- speculate on play calling. You know, Brian throws a complete pass. First down to, you know, Ringer gets a first down. Then he throws a Ringer again. Then he, th- he then he throws a Dell. And then he throws incomplete passes to Dell and Ringer consecutively. You're coming on a third and two. Uh, is the defense thinking that you're going to throw again? No. That quick slant to Dell, mm, maybe pass interference. Mm, maybe not. Then fourth down. They really think you're going to run the ball. So this is not idiotic play calling. Don't go there. 
The defense may not have been prepared for a pass. You know, schematically how we lined up, it may be a different question. But I'm I'm not here to get into that. Ray, your thoughts? I don't know. More importantly, I think uh, Ringer Ringer. Uh, I was on a screen. Hoyer kind of scrambled out and he caught like a he caught a pass for negative yards, which he should have dropped, which mm-hmm. put us in a hole in which. On you know second down we had to make up for that which we did which you know we had third and two, I mean we had no timeout so I mean I guess a run in that situation probably wouldn't have been the smartest idea but you know the quick slant you know that was a good play call but I don't think we should have ran the swing pass and ringer we ran it all game and I think they were prepared for it and I, I just disagree with that play call in that situation. Northwestern on Saturday twelve noon on the Big Ten Network Wayne Larrabee Chicago Bulls ring it up doing the play by play one of my favorites. We're fourteen plus point favorites. Do you agree, and how are we going to do, Ray? I think it's going to be a blowout. I think I think we'll uh, make a statement game, and I think we, you know we'll show the Big Ten who we really are, and I think we'll amass the fourteen point spread. Star of the game, uh, Javon Ringer. Absolutely, Brigitte. Your thoughts: Michigan State, Northwestern, Saturday noon. I think we'll beat them definitely by twenty. My star of the game, Jonal St. Deke. Joe now St. Deke, the sack, the sack master. Hey, thanks for listening. We're coming up on the top of the hour. WDBM Student Radio here at Michigan State. Sarah Tinsley, say what up to you, the coworkers. She. She called in during one of the clips. Got to show love there. Michigan State, Northwestern, 12 noon, Big Ten Network on Saturday. I believe we're on the right path. We'll find out Monday. Tune in 7 p.m. This has been the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.